confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. (laughs) Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The sun is shining once again as a new dawn is breaking over the nation. After Theresa May's intervention yesterday, everyone on all sides of the Brexit debate has been cowed into submission. Her revelation that there is now more than ever a likelihood that nothing will actually happen on March the 29th has had the combined effect of sending even the most rabid Brexiteers into a slumber from which they may never wake up. And it has completely neutered any plans emanating from Jeremy Corbyn and Labour. The Prime Minister has literally board us into a state of surrender. Meanwhile, fires burn on Saddleworth Moor and earthquakes have hit Surrey overnight. It's as though nature knows something we don't. Uh, we'll be finding out exactly what the day in Parliament holds later on. There are a number of votes taking place, but we decided they're not important enough to merit our presence in the tent of shame on College Green. We might go down there when it gets a bit colder. As ever, we'll be taking your calls zone. For anyone who didn't get on yesterday, now is your chance. 0344 499 1000. First up today, though, we're going to talk about payday loans and Compensation. Apparently, there are hordes of people still waiting for compensation because they were missold loans by Wonga, which went into administration last August. The company is now being accused of damaging customers from beyond the grave. But are they really? I'd like to hear your stories today because I don't quite understand why anyone who is forced into borrowing money from these ghastly operators decides that they need compensation of some kind. I just don't get it. 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, we'll be finding out what is going on between India and Pakistan and whether we should be concerned and why a hotel in Scotland is in trouble for teaching men how to do domestic chores. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, I'm delighted to say that for the first time this week, we are not kicking off the show uh, with anything to do with Brexit. You might wonder why uh, we're not doing it. I'll tell you why we're not doing it, because Theresa May basically uh, operated yesterday like the dead hand of somebody trying to kill off a story. In the news business, we call it the news killing a gene, and she certainly has it. She's able to completely and utterly destroy any news uh, that she doesn't want to come out. And basically, she is going to dull us all into submission so that we're all going to be walking around zombie-like saying... 
We just don't care anymore. We just don't care. Uh, but we do care, of course, and we will be getting onto it a little bit later on this morning. Now, I want to kick off with a story which slightly disturbs me, and it may be because I don't quite understand what is going on. Wonga was one of the many payday loan companies that were riding very high in this country two or three years ago. They were riding so high that they actually sponsored Newcastle Football Club uh, to an extent where many of the people who were supporters of Newcastle said, these are not the sort of people we want to be doing business with. But they were charging ridiculous amounts of interest, thousands of percentage points every time somebody borrowed 100 quid it turned into a debt of a thousand pounds sometimes an awful lot of people got caught up in it an awful lot of people ended up borrowing money from these people at horrendous interest rates and finding themselves incapable of paying it back they went into administration last august right and it turns out that the ombudsman has been given about ten and a half thousand cases to look at to decide whether people are in need of compensation what i don't understand is why they are in need of compensation so we want to hear your stories today if you're involved in this if you've been involved with a payday loan company even if they are still out there and they are still lending money at not such ridiculous interest rates but we want to hear your stories please 0344 499 1000 we're also going to get some advice from of course the money magpie jasmine Bertels. jasmine a very good morning to you welcome hello hi i'm very well uh, indeed jasmine thank you very much uh, for coming on the show what is it about these payday loans um, that sort of trigger compensation in the first place well, what it is that, you know, as you say, it's, it's up to you or me whether we take out a payday loan. Yeah. But payday loan lenders are supposed to check that you're able to pay back the loan before they lend to you. Mm. Um, but, of course, surprise, surprise, quite a few don't. And certainly Wonga, in, you know, regularly didn't. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a two-way street. You know, you could say, you could, t- you could take a hard-line um, view on this and say, look, we're, you know, we're adults. Um, we make our own decisions. If you can't afford to pay it back, tough. Mm. But then on the other hand, we're not kind of dealing with, with a, a level playing field here. A lot of the people who go for payday, I would say the majority, um, are you know, what are described as vulnerable people, which, which covers a, a multitude of sins, really. You know, it could be... Um, people genuinely with with uh, mental health issues it could be people who just you know haven't been taught uh, the basics and that's you know let's face it a lot of us in this country haven't been taught the basics of money management but surely as well jasmine it's people who are living beyond their means for one reason or another and i take your point that some people may be more vulnerable than others and obviously Mm. if people with mental health problems are going to payday loan companies borrowing vast amounts of money then there's something Mm. wrong with the system but i would imagine of the ten and a half thousand people here who are waiting to see whether they can get compensation they must be all people who were living beyond their means in one way shape or form in many ways yeah um but then again you know you can you can argue that in, in for many of them it's not their fault they're on um universal credit apparently 60 percent of payday loan people who take out payday loans are, are using it um to pay their bills mm. you know so if you're taking out payday loans to, to pay your bills yeah you you really do have a problem um and a lot of the time i've been saying to people right go to one of the debt advice charities go to citizens advice go to national debt line one of those and they will actually help you to budget because if you are at that stage um then then you you really do need help in actually budgeting managing money and maybe you need to get some um, emergency funding, if, if there is anywhere, any, any um, anywhere near. Mm. Well, I'm looking at some interesting stats here because obviously people have been doing investigations into this for a while. The Financial Conduct Authority in 2017 mm. put out what they said was the profile of a payday loan borrower. Inevitably male, uh, around about 35 years of age, average income of around about £20,400, £20, uh, which is obviously below the national average. 76% of borrowers have no savings. The rest have an average of less than £200. Uh, and 68% were struggling to pay their bills. Now, 
what it tells me is that one, their bills are obviously uh, higher than they should mm. be, or two, uh, they've got more bills than they can afford to pay, so they need to lose some of them. Mm, absolutely, and and you know this is this is you would hope what what one of the debt charities would do to help that. You know, there's Christians Against Poverty again, also local credit unions that will help people budget, mm. um, and. You, you do also, of course, you know, on, on the um, under the sort of heading of kind of vulnerable, you do have people with, with addiction problems who will go to payday loan yeah. companies. And that is a big problem. You know, you, it, everything goes out of the window if you've got an alcohol addiction, if you've got a gambling addiction, yeah. drugs addiction. You know, budgeting really doesn't doesn't cut it. You you need to get help with that. Right. And I think this is, this is the thing that, if, frankly, if anybody's going to a payday loans company, um, they've got a problem, frankly, because it, it's, as you say, so ridiculously high high cost. And it presumably it like, is, is the place of last resort. It's where people will go if they can't get a loan anywhere else. It, it certainly should be. It certainly used to be. But then when Wonga came along and put so much money into advertising and made it seem so easy, people started to go there you know, for, for easy loans, loans that, that they could or should have got on a, on a credit card. Right. People who, who's... Um, their um, credit rating wasn't actually too bad, and they could have done it. So that that was another problem. And as you say, why Newcastle um, Football Ground was going, you know, we're not keen on this. We're not. You know, the club wasn't keen at all on, on being connected with them because they they were just they're just taking the Michael, really. You know, just saying, oh, just yeah. come to us. It's lovely and easy. You know, we're your friends. We've got these these funny little um, cartoon characters. So is that, I think that that's another reason why Wonga was basically made an example of, and they, and they were, you know, as you, as you mentioned, it was the um, compensation companies who are also pretty dodgy on the whole, who who brought um, brought Wonga really right. to its knees because they so, kept saying, you know, you should be. Yeah, right. And what about this compensation package, as it as it were? I mean, the, the ombudsman has been looking into these cases apparently for some time. Uh, the Treasury Committee uh, is not happy about it, so the politicians are now getting involved. Involved. But how does it actually work? I mean, are these people looking for compensation uh, in terms of their pain and suffering? Are they looking for compensation in terms of getting the interest back? What are they actually looking for? Well, it's a good point. I think it's a, it's a mixture, actually. But yeah, certainly um, uh, compensation it's, it's for them, uh, for the, the payday loans company not going by the rules. Mm. Um, so they're so what I'm saying is it's, a, it's over and above what they may have borrowed and paid back. This is a, a sort of um, um, a settlement um, amount of money they're looking for. I think so. Yes, that, that's essentially what, what's being looked for. And and the problem, as far as the um, financial compensation scheme is concerned, is that there there isn't enough money to go around. That, that Wonga itself didn't have savings, um, like you know, with a, with a bank or that sort of thing. So they they're having to look into you know where they get that actual compensation money from. And they're, they're essentially you know shrugging their shoulders and going, well, you know, you you can ask for the compensation, but the coffers are bare. So you know you're going to have to go away again. Yeah, right. So, I mean, in terms of payday loans in general and what the landscape is like, I've got a vague recollection somewhere in the back of my mind that the government basically made it illegal for some of these companies to operate Mm. on such high levels of interest and they weren't allowed to go above a certain percentage rate. I can't remember whether that's exactly right. Yeah. But so, I mean, there are still companies out there that are making these loans effectively. 
Oh, very much so. And and this is this is the, the tiresome thing that you know you you get the idea that Wonga's collapsed. You know, big big news. You think, oh, good, payday loans have gone. That means high cost credit has gone. No, not in the least. It's it's simply mutated. The the world of high cost credit is alive and well. Um, and you can get there are all sorts of loans companies. There are different loans operations going about. Um, so high cost credit, sadly, is is very healthy. There are, to be fair, there are um, a few better solutions coming along. Um, I met uh, a company called Hasty Pay recently, which um, kind of offers um, not exactly payday loans, but it, it works with employers to enable people to, to get some of their pay early in the month, right. earlier in the month, at a, a very, very reasonable rate. So there, I think technology is going to make it less attractive for um, these high-cost credit companies to, to continue. But while we have a, a situation where we have a, a lot of people um, on universal credit, we have a lot of people who have no idea how to manage their money, we have rising problems of addiction, but there is going to be a, a demand for high-cost credit, um, credit that you know, from, for people who can't get credit elsewhere. And, and this, I think, is, is, is going to be a continuous problem in this country for quite a while. Yeah, it really will be, because we hear all the time mm-hmm. that more and more people are going into more and more debt. Um, obviously, mm. I'm trying to desperately avoid using the B word uh, yes. in this first hour today, um, but a lot of people are thinking that they're maybe going to stockpile stuff or they're going to go into mm-hmm. more debt and they're going to worry about, um, you know, not being able to afford things after it brings it actually happens. Mm-hmm. So people are spending money, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, just as you said that, I I was about to to say the the dreaded B word, and I I agree, because it it looks like, certainly if we crash out, um, or even if we don't just crash out, if we just leave, prices are going to go People get very upset when you use those those kinds of phrases. You have to be very careful these days. You can't say crash out, because it (laughs) suggests that you're some kind of mad Remainer. (laughs) <laughs> oh, good grief. Who'd want to be? <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, the, I think there there is a concern that, that the people are going to be looking all over the place to get money to survive on a daily basis because it's, yeah, it's supposed to be food that will grow up, um, medicines, these kinds of things. It's it's not your, your luxuries that people are bothered about. Um, so, yeah, we, we as a nation, we need to get much more knowledge about how to manage our money. We need to have... Um, more affordable um, loans and and I think some you know emergency funding particularly for for single parents because those are the ones that that on the whole struggle the most yeah absolutely right and as far as the way that debt is being structured in this country uh, in terms of the way that the the interest rates are being held very very low I mean we're hearing mm-hmm. all sorts of things about uh, the interest rates at the Bank of England really never going back up again ever again I mean do you think that's likely? <laughs> Well, not in the in the short term, certainly. Um, the, the, the point of keeping interest rates low is to to help people, yeah, borrow and help businesses borrow and keep the money washing through the system. Um, and certainly, uh, businesses um, don't need any extra uh, costs uh, that they can possibly have at the moment, and they need consumers to to spend i mean this is this is the sad thing that we actually do need to as consumers to spend what, what we really need to be doing is is um selling abroad getting some foreign money in but at, at this at the moment um most of our economy is fueled um internally so we need more money washing around and so if you keep interest rates down the theory is at least that businesses will borrow, individuals will borrow, and that money keeps going round and round. Right. And, I mean, as far as the credit card sort of companies are concerned, are people spending more money on credit now than they've ever done? 
Well, as you know, I mean, the the whole thing about digital money is is um, moving very fast. You know, fewer and fewer people are using cash. So, yes, there's certainly uh, more people are using credit cards. I think debit cards particularly, and, of course, um, mobile phone, mobile pay, those are being used. Um, as for um, paying off the debts, that's, that is um, gradually getting worse. There are um, pe- people are not paying off credit card debts as quickly as they were. Um, so that's, that's a gradual thing. But certainly, yeah, I mean, we're, we're all using credit cards and debit cards way more than we used to. Mm. And so what will the... Uh, uh the sort of the Treasury Committee do, if anything, to try and speed all this up? Yeah, it, it, it's a good point. I mean, at the moment, Nicky Morgan, who's head of the Treasury Committee, is, is basically complaining to the FCA, uh, FSCS. And the FSCS, as I was saying, is, is essentially um, shrugging its shoulders and going, yeah, um, you know, where, where are we going to get the money? Um, you know, what, what are we going to... How are you going to get that, that money to them? So... Um, I, I think that it's, it may be something that goes back and forth, but I'm, I'm not seeing um, a, a particularly positive outcome for those who still haven't been paid the compensation. It's a bit like, you know, when, when any company goes bust, um, if you are a creditor, um, you generally have to wait and you generally um, get a very small amount of the money that you were expecting right. to get while it was going. I think it's, it's that sort of thing. Yeah, situation. you're sort of at the back of the queue. Jasmine, thanks very much indeed. Jasmine Burstall's there, finance expert, consumer journalist for moneymagpie.com. I'm still struggling to work out why exactly people who have borrowed money from some of these organisations, and Wonga in, in particular, are expecting compensation. I just don't think they should have it. It's all about another sort of abrogation of responsibility. If you you borrow money you should pay it back if you can't afford to pay it back you shouldn't have borrowed it in the first place surely that is one of the rules of life isn't it oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the number this is talk radio the human zoo where they don't hide away the sick animals the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio You're listening to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio in association with The Times. It's politics tamed, and we're going to be talking politics coming up uh, in the next hour. David Wooding, political editor of The Sun on Sunday, is going to be joining us to tell us what is going to happen later on in the Houses of Parliament. Lots of voting going on, lots of amendments being put together. Uh, Where we are going to end up, uh, we still don't really know. But let's take some calls now, because we've been talking about payday loans in the first hour uh, and the problem of personal responsibility and borrowing money that you can't afford to pay back. Nicola uh, is in York. Hi, Nicola. Hello. Hello. Very good morning to you. Thanks for calling. What would you like to tell us? Um, Well, I don't disagree with most of what you're saying, and I do think that compensation for the majority of people is um, is definitely taking liberties, Mm. if you like, because I know what situation they get into. But I do know of a family who who had to get one. Um, They worked um, zero-hour contracts. They weren't living beyond their means, but they had contacts he he worked on um um a site somewhere and he didn't get the hours that they needed to pay the rent. Right. So they felt they were in a situation they had no other choice. They took out a payday loan, um, thinking he could get extra hours. That didn't pan out and right. they found themselves the following the end of the month, I think it's a monthly thing, 
um, they couldn't pay it back. So when they went to speak to this loans company, they um, weren't prepared to negotiate like I imagine a normal bank would. Right. And what they insisted, and I'm going to say pushed upon them, was to take a second loan out to mm. pay the first loan back. Right. Um, and they felt they had no choice but to do that. And then the following month, we're in a similar situation, but at this point, they spoke to family and friends, and um, they're fortunate, and not everyone's this fortunate. They were fortunate enough to have been helped out, and um, and they're not in that situation. Right. But for situations like that, you think about how many vulnerable families need to pay mortgage or rent, and they end up taking out one of these loans and can't afford to pay it back for, for whatever reason. Yeah. And it spirals then, and it doesn't seem to be a way to stop that that happening unless you've got friends or family that can eventually, sure. you know... Oh, it's definitely, it's definitely a spiral of despair that you get stuck into. And I think one of the reasons that Wonga was, was particularly criticised was because it was kind of very aggressive in advertising what it did. And it didn't really explain what would happen if you couldn't pay the loan back. And the sad fact is people in this situation wouldn't maybe listen to that anyway because they desperately need that money yeah. instead of prepared to take that list. And do you know why they were so uh, in debt in the first place? I mean, when you say they were living beyond their means, what? I mean, I take the point that they weren't making enough money, but what, what were they What were they spending it on? They weren't living beyond their means. They were a low-income family with three children, um, all of a young age, constantly growing. Um, they didn't actually have Sky. I've been listening to, um, you know, the, the chat that goes on. They didn't yeah. have any of these. They didn't drive. Um, but they would, if they were a low-income family, they would get money from, from they would get benefits, wouldn't they? Not if you're at that twenty thousand pound threshold that takes you over and above what you need to uh, to get benefits. From what I know, I'm not an expert, um, but from what I understand, they didn't get a lot. They got a little bit of help, but not a lot. Yeah, but I mean that's why I always I always wonder about in this country because you are there is a safety net in this country for you if you don't have much money. And so, yeah. you know, there really isn't any excuse for having to having to go to them. I, t I mean, you've told a very sympathetic story, Nicola, and I, and I don't doubt that you're, you're absolutely sincere in that. But, you know, there's always somebody who's going to say, well, I haven't got enough money, so I need to borrow some. You're not wrong. There absolutely is. There's lots of people like that, but there are genuine cases. Mm. You know, and when these companies aren't prepared to help you out um, and aren't prepared to come to a, a payback term, if you yeah. like, and high street lender would, then you are forced sure. into a situation. And there is a pressure from these companies um, to, to take out more loans. Yeah. No, you, listen, you're absolutely I right. Would, and I would, I would like to take this opportunity to say to people, don't borrow money from these, these opportunist, ghastly people, because they will never do you any favours. I know, but it's easy for us to say, isn't it, when we're not in that situation? Well, listen, I've spent many periods of my life without very much money. Um, you know, I've been there. And, you know, I've, I've, if, I've, if I've always managed to sort of get by without having to go to loan sharks, without having to go uh, anywhere else to, to borrow money, which is going to take me into a bad area. And I think maybe we need to educate people better, maybe from school, about this kind of stuff. Oh, I totally agree. Um you know, children are leaving school without the basics and unfortunately yeah. parents don't manage money well. No. You're not taught how to do that from an early age. I know my, my daughter, the very first apprenticeship job she got, we made a foot percentage into premium bonds. Right. So she understood that, you know, that you have to save. You've got to work hard 
you know, and save in order to live. Mm. But unfortunately, not everybody is in that situation. No, they're not. Very good call, Nicola. Thank you very much indeed for making it. Nicola in York uh, telling us the other side of the coin uh, from the point of view of a family who just were, weren't able to make ends meet for one reason or another. But the answer is never to go to one of these payday loan companies, I promise you. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Theresa May writing in the new Euro-friendly Daily Mail says, yes, we will leave the EU with a deal if MPs hold their nerve. And she's certainly holding her nerve, but let's find out from David Woody uh, if it's actually working. David, very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. So, I mean, I'm sorry to sound as if I'm a bit bored by what she did yesterday, but she kind of killed all the news off in one fell swoop, which is quite, a, quite an achievement, really. There's no greater symbol for what has happened than the fact that Mike Graham and his team have deserted, have packed up their tent and left the green opposite Parliament. Well, when I it. saw you guys packing up yesterday afternoon, I thought, that's it, it's all over, Brexit <laughs> is finished. It is. I mean, we'll be back on March the 12th, though, and make no mistake for the meaningful vote. But until then, there's not much point in being down in the tent of shame for us, because only then, when we enter it, do we know that something is happening. Yes, um, it's all been, uh, she's been co- turned, kicking the can down the road into an art form, yeah. Theresa May. Right. And, and what's happened now, uh, you know, we, we, we're just entering spring. You were talking about the balmy weather. I mean, it'll be cracking the flags by the time we leave Brexit. Or we might be back into winter again. This decision yesterday means, uh, just to recap for your listeners in case they've uh, lost the will to live and switched off, um, it, it, it means that she, she's not... If, if, if they don't accept her deal next time it's put before the Commons in a couple of weeks' time, not today as we thought it might be, um, then they will get a second vote the day after on whether or not to uh, leave without a deal. Now, they're certain to vote no to that. And on, on the third day, they'll get the option to extend Article 50 beyond March the 29th. Right. She says for a short term. The difficulty of that, Mike, is to do that, she needs the European Union to accept... Uh, all 27 other states and the European Commission to accept that that's acceptable. Now, 
um, there might be some problems with with Spain there, who uh, who, who want some uh, mischief making over Gibraltar, right. and even the Irish. But um, if they if they do that, um, there's certain to be uh, uh, there's two possibilities here. One is that they'll say it's got to be for two years, in which case you know that that means we're heading into second referendum territory mm. and another couple of years of uncertainty. But if they do it until June. It still, as Theresa May says, doesn't remove the uh, the, the dreaded cliff edge because um, they'll have to do something in three months. And the big question is, why do they want to extend it for three months? What are they going to do in three months? Are they going to get much of a better deal in that time? And if not, what happens if they don't? Do they back the deal or do they... Uh, well, that's the point. I mean, it, seem, it seems to me that she's trying so hard to kind of please everybody that she's basically twisting herself into an kind of impossible position. You know, it's like a kind of, you know, permanent game of twister that never ends. She's, or, you know, just as she thinks she's assuaged one side, she suddenly has to go and assuage another side. And, you know, she can't keep doing that. All the, the sort of hard Brexiteers in the Tory party are saying, look, don't don't just tell people to hold their nerve. Actually hold your own nerve and, and keep no deal there and stop messing about. Yes, one one suspects there isn't really a game plan here. Yeah. One of my colleagues likened it to the uh, the, the chap who climbed up um, uh, the, uh, the the big sheer cliff face in Yosemite National Park the other week. Right. Um, uh, Theresa May is basically doing that. She's climbing up without a rope. But but in the case of the guy who did it, he spent about two years mapping out where he was going to go before he attempted to do it. She's got halfway up and is now saying, where's my next foothold? Where's yeah, my right. next handhold? Um, and you, you guess that it's, it's we're just doing this as we, as we go along. Right. And then when she hits a stumbling block, she finds a way around it. But it never gets to the point where we think, oh, here's the solution this is what's going to happen they're going to back the deal having said that mike there is a possibility that this is focusing minds in a number of ways mm. one the brexiteers will see the the extension of article 50 that's something they fear most that means they always hope that we if they keep blocking the deal we get towards march the 29th and then we leave without a deal which is the purest of pure brexit as mm. they see it and um, the, the second referendum people uh, just want to keep extending it and stopping Brexit. That's why they're voting against the deal. Now, if the Brexiteers think that this could be uh, a long extension or, in fact, extend it by three months and we don't, we end up staying in and having a second referendum or we get more log jams, more problems, they might be swayed to say, let's just bite the bullet and back this deal. And, and I think it then hinges on Geoffrey Cox, the Attorney General. If he can come back with a possible... Um, addendum to the uh, to the to the backstop, which removes the necessity for Britain to stay um, without any opt out in the European Union institutions in the event of not finding a solution to the Irish border problem. Then uh, that might just get it over the line. Mm. And 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 you know, like us, the MPs are worn down with this. We Germans, well, are, you know, we've cancelled our winter break holidays because we thought Brexit was going to happen and right. now we, we can't get away till the end of June so it's, um, it's, it's the same totally thing. ridiculous and then as if the one hand doesn't know what the other hand of government is doing this ridiculous report comes out today in which they say uh, citizens have ignored warnings to check their passports and driving licence they're worried that there's going to be panic buying they're saying that firms are not ready for a no deal well maybe it's because nobody's taking them seriously you know it may well be that people are not as panic stricken as the Remainers and the government would like us to think we are I think that's the case. I mean, uh, I, I did a story in The Sun on Sunday a couple of weeks ago. Um, we slipped out on a Friday night at about six o'clock. Mm. The European Union um, put out some details about how the planes would continue to fly 
uh, in the event of a no-deal Brexit. And remember, that was one of the biggest scare stories we had, that all the planes would be grounded. And there was a, a, a tit-for-tat agreement that they said if we did it for the, for the European planes, they would allow our planes to carry on flying as normally. And the same for lorries. HGV vehicles would be able to go on the continent's roads, providing we allowed them to come onto our roads. So, you know, a lot of these things, we can, they can threaten and shout and, and mount scare stories. But in reality, the, the world will keep going. That, not to say that does, there will be some possible problems. Of you know, course. you could have customs checks which could create some tailbacks and there could be shortages of some foods that we import from, from Europe if, uh, if there's a bit of panic buying. But, um, you know, I think most people... Um, uh, yeah, but it's called life, Dave, isn't it? I mean, you know, yeah. sometimes you get to Gatwick Airport and your plane doesn't take off because there's a problem with the engine. Or uh, there's a drone flying about which keeps you there for 48 hours. I mean, you know, life goes on. Yes, uh, and I think I think most people really have have, have just switched off about this now. Yeah. They just the, the the attitude I I hear from so many people is, look, we voted. Uh, that was a decision, whether I've agreed with it or not. Why can't they just get on with it? And I think there's a bit of frustration with yeah. MPs uh, that that they're making it all so difficult mm. that they, they they can't agree. I mean, if you start actually splitting down the the, the agreements, it's not just a case of. 5248, like we are in the nation of people who vote yeah. for, for to leave and people who voted for Remain. Within the MPs, you get the people who want to leave have got all sorts of different ideas of what Brexit should be like. And the people who voted Remain have got different attitudes. Some want a second referendum, mm. some want to stay inside the single market and the customs union, some think we should just ignore what the people said and, 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 and overrule it. I know there's, there's so many different factions in there that to get a group of these MPs in what is already a divided parliament yeah. politically is just impossible. Well, that's right. And I've always said uh, all along, I don't think you could find two people in the entire nation who actually have the same idea of what Brexit should be uh, and what it is that they want to happen because everybody's got a different view. And the trouble with the way Parliament's operating at the moment is they're trying to make it, make it seem as though they can all agree on one particular version and they can't. So they just yeah. have to accept a version whether they agree with it or not. And it, this is why I, I have this sneaking suspicion that she might just, through the war of attrition, um, have, have worn them down enough and said, it's my deal, yeah. it's no deal, or it's no Brexit. And she said that all along. Mm. But I have to say, the other thing she said all along, and I think, um, <laughs> I think she said it about 80 or 90 times, is we are leaving yeah. on March the 29th. And we are now clearly not leaving on March the 29th, right? I mean, that ain't happening. I'm funnily enough, I've been uh, coached into uh, or shoehorned into doing a debate with Matt Kelly at the Groucho Club on April the 1st, April yes, Fool's Day. Right? Now, um, you may wish uh, or may not wish to attend, but as I said to him, well, I hope there's still some food left to eat at that point in time because I don't think anything will have happened by the 1st of April. No, I mean, uh, if, if, he's, if what you read in his, uh, in his paper, the European, the, uh, the Ramona's uh, favourite publication, yeah. uh, Ramona's that- Gazette. He, he will have set up an underground bunker and stocked it full of baked beans. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly right. Now, as, just as, as, a, as a sort of an overarching view, because I'm always interested in what you think about these things. I was away last week. People said to me, oh, well, you missed one of the biggest weeks in British politics. You know, the whole uh, two-party system was blown apart by this formation of the independent group. I don't think it's that significant, do you? Well, it is for the Labour Party, but I don't, I don't think it's going to take off... Um, in the way um, in the way some people predict, mm. predict. Uh, let, let's be straight. It's it's a Remainer party, and I think the three Conservatives joining um, damaged Labour in as much as you had uh, um, eight 
or nine Labour MPs, nine left, one didn't join them, but yeah, eight, eight Labour MPs who left the Labour Party to form an independent group, they were joined by three Conservatives. A lot of ordinary people will think, ah, well, this is a, this is a, um, a, a sort of moderate, a more moderate group because it's taking from both sides, and, and, and I get that. But on top of that, you have the fact that the only thing which binds them together is that the three Conservatives are die-hard Remainers. Mm. They are stop Brexit uh, uh, people. They, they are Brexit wreckers. And, um, and that's the one thing they have. So they've got to be very careful that they're not seen as the anti-Brexit party. Yeah. Because once Brexit is delivered, that's the end of it for then them. Then they've got nowhere to go. Yeah. That's and the that, problem, isn't what, it? And what, I, and... what, what's interesting is... The last, is it, I, I did a piece on, on, on an old spot, polling partner of ours from many years ago, Mike, um, Derek Hatton, oh, yeah. in the paper on Sunday. Degsy, yeah, that went well, didn't it? <laughs> hey? Degsy was in the Labour Party, um, taking Liverpool to the brink of bankruptcy, and the Labour Party then, in the 1980s, 1983, was, was run by a very left-wing leader, Michael Foote, yeah. and it's now run by a left-wing leader in Jeremy Corbyn. Liverpool were top of the league at the time, they're top of the league again now, uh, and then you had Derek Hatton in the Labour Party, so and and you had um, uh, you, you had a, an independent group being formed in yes. the in the SDP, right. and now you've got this independent group. So there's, it's like uh, life on Mars. We've turned the clock back a little bit. But let me just explain about the about this new group and the the, the difference between that and the SDP. So the SDP, which left the Labour Party during those years of the hard left in the 1980s, had four big hitters, the Gang of Four, yes. all of whom had served, not in a shadow cabinet, but in a cabinet, mm. in government. Uh, David Owen, the Foreign Secretary, Shirley Williams, a legendary figure yeah. uh, who was Education Secretary, and, and uh, Roy Jenkins, the... Um, the, the, the former Home Secretary, and then, of course, it was Bill Rogers, the fourth ma- m- member yeah. of, the, of that group. They were all big players who set up this party. Uh, and what happened? It sort of it failed in the Warrington by-election, but then won its first seat in, um, in Crosby when Shirley Williams became their first MP. But in the end, they didn't quite make it and had to l- join up with the Liberal Party to form the Liberal Democrats. Um, so, you know... But they did damage to, to, to the, party they, the party they left, didn't they? Yes, exactly. Mm. Uh, they did. And, and of course, this, these were four giant figures, um, four enormous um, political, uh, exper- people with political experience. Uh, you look at the, the, the 11 who've moved over there. OK, Chuck is um, regarded as a, as a, as a talented uh, MP, but he hasn't really done anything. He's not, been in, he's not held offices of state. And it's not quite in the same in the same level uh, as the SDP. So, so the question is, if they couldn't do it, then um, what's the chance of, of of this lot doing it? But you know, uh, politics is a very a very strange thing, and a week is a long time in politics, and two years is an even longer time when you're watching Brexit. <laughs> well, it really is. And finally, I mean, that brings us to Chris Williamson, because of course the Labour Party still is in a very weird place. You've got Tom Watson, uh, the deputy leader, who practically is not on speaking terms with the leader Jeremy Corbyn, uh, who's very matey with Chris Williamson. Williamson in trouble uh, for what he said at a momentum meeting uh, up in Sheffield, I think it was, where he was talking about. Uh, how the Labour Party has been too apologetic over anti-Semitism. Watson's calling for him uh, to have the whip withdrawn. I mean, you know, they get themselves into more trouble for nothing, really, don't they? Yeah, they they can't help themselves because it's tribal politics at its worst. You know, everything, anything anybody says about the Labour Party, according to Chris Williams, is is automatically wrong. And... um, uh, he just won't have it that there is a problem with with anti-Semitism. Clearly, from from what he said. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's um, it's it's a very difficult difficult uh, 
it just it just adds to this row which has been going on for some time that you know is damaging the party and uh, and particularly among the Jewish community about yeah. them. Uh, don't forget, of course, we'll have a former Labour MP today um, who was uh, who was jailed for her part in the. Oh yeah, um, she can be welcomed back with open arms, right? Yes, um, uh, this is Fiona Anasanya, yeah. who became the first MP um, uh, who was ja- who was jailed. She's now been uh, released from prison after a month behind bars. Uh, she was lying about um, a speeding ticket, which yeah. is why she was uh, jailed for perverting the course of justice. She will become the first MP to cast a vote while wearing an electronic tag mm. this evening. So um, amazing, uh, absolutely, that, just, just ridiculous, just, isn't it? I mean, to be fair, the Labour Party have kicked her out of the party, but no, it seems incredible that the Houses of Parliament can't stop her from coming back, and she's still drawing down an MP salary. Yeah, it's the shamefacedness of her. You know, you'd you'd expect her to to do the decent thing and uh, and and resign, but. Um, uh, uh, that's the way it is at the moment. Um, we're not in normal period of politics. No, we really aren't. And then and you saw when you saw the, uh, the the three amigos part two, not the three who left the Tory party, but yeah. the three who came out last week and openly defied the prime minister in an, an op-ed in the Daily Mail. We're yeah. talking about um, Amber Rudd, David, David Gould, Gould, yeah, and Greg Clark. Um, in normal times, those three would have been fired immediately, yeah. but uh, just shows the, the strange... Well, I mean, I put out a tweet last week, you know, Amber Rudd, who failed as Home Secretary, David Gork, who failed uh, in his first act to uh, to bring in a sort of judicial review of the black cab rapist. I mean, these are not heavy hitters, in my view, at all. Well, um, there's, there's, she, she has... It just shows how weak Theresa May is. Yeah. Um, uh, who is running the country? Who is running the cabinet? Right. Who is running Brexit? Um, it's very hard to know mm. at times. And what's going to happen tonight? Because a couple of votes are coming in, and there's a couple of amendments going on. But we, I mean, I'm a bit unclear as to what is actually going to be withdrawn and what is actually going to be tabled. Well, it's unlikely there will be. Um, it, it's going to be a momentous night tonight because um, uh, there will be a, a, a sort of normal statement uh, issued by the, the government a sort mm. of um, uh, proposals which will say we're going to try and get a deal next time round um, then then there's the Yvette Cooper uh, amendment right. which is to try and um, try and try and uh, extend article 50 and so forth which more or less has had the steam taken out mm. of it by what what Theresa may um, uh, announced yesterday right. and then of course you've got Jeremy Corbyn's an, 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 um, amendment which is um, is to um, is to stay in the customs union and linked to the single market, and if that fails, he says he will then go towards a second referendum. Which which brings me on to another point, Mike, is that um, amid all the, the chaos and confusion in the government, mustn't forget that on Brexit, the Labour Party isn't much better. Right. Um, they're all hopelessly divided, and there's absolute anger about the decision uh, by in some quarters of the Labour Party to. Um, to, to to back a second referendum. Right. And I think that's probably been done as a reaction to these uh, Remainers leaving the party to form their own party and to stop others leaving. But all it might do is drive away some, some of those MPs who feel the, that, that, that they won't be um, delivering on, mm. the, on the referendum result. No, quite. Bring me your smile Bring me laughter All the while In this world should be more happiness so much joy you can give to each brand new bright tomorrow
You're listening to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio in association with The Times. Politics are tamed. We'll be taking your calls uh, on the political situation coming up uh, later on in the next hour because right now uh, we've got a rather special guest. We're going to talk to Dr Chris Steele, uh, MBE, uh, who is, of course, the This Morning Doctor. Uh, He's going to be telling us why 50% of us apparently suffer from vitamin D-related ailments, including fatigue, depression, chronic pain and weakness. Dr Chris, a very good morning to you. Good morning, mate. Thank you very much for joining us. I know you're a busy man. Um, What's this all about and how come we've only just discovered it? Well, we haven't just discovered it. The the situation is vitamin D has become a very hot topic in Mm. the medical world. Right. And years ago, we knew that, you know, vitamin D uh, deficiency caused rickets, bone disease in children, and and certainly was uh, vital for for teeth. So we know it's been important for bones and teeth, but now we're learning that vitamin D is almost vital to every cell in the body. Right. And um, low levels, of course, you're implicated in heart disease, cancers, infections, arthritis, so many diseases. Mm. It's quite an exciting area of medicine. Right. Now, we weren't just playing uh, that uh, Bring Me Sunshine song because (laughs) you and I remember it, I have to say. We were bringing it because supposedly sunshine is a source of vitamin D, isn't it? So the more you're out in it, the better you are. Yeah. You know what's interesting? Of all the vitamins, the body has its own factory to make vitamin D. Right. Now, doesn't that tell you something? Yeah, it it's does. It's its own factory for vitamin D, and, and the factory is your skin. So when you're outside, the skin's exposed to sunlight, the body produces vitamin D, which is then stored, and then, of course, used in all the various systems of the body. And is it stored for a long time? I mean, does it run out? I know that maybe sound like a stupid question, but how long can you store it for? Well, I, I couldn't give you the exact answer, but it's, it's a fat-soluble vitamin. So once it's made, it's stored in, in, in the fat in the body and is used up. Now, of course, you've got to store, but the thing is you need to keep topping up that level of vitamin D, mm. and the best way you can do it is by getting outside. But unfortunately, you know, we're not getting out as much as we could. We're sitting on our backsides mm. on computers and games etc etc so um, it, it's important to try and encourage people to, to get out in the fresh air yeah. out in the sunshine well it's interesting isn't it because a lot of people now go to gyms i mean i know loads <laughs> of people at work who you know finish work and oh i'm off to the gym and you know they could be instead of going to a gym to do what it is that they do then they could could they not do that outside well look, they go to the gym you know it, it's expensive to join the yeah. gear is expensive and what are they doing they're exercising inside not in sunlight right Come on, look, if, if, if you want to get real benefit, do some simple walking out of doors. Go yes. to the front door, you're in the sunlight. And you know, the, I mean, the, the recent survey by Go Outdoors, a survey of 2,000 adults, I mean, just showed you that um, 71% of people spend less than one hour outside in the winter. And 40% said that walking for 30 minutes was too long for them. Really? Yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? It is. What a nut. I mean, I used to laugh. I lived in New York a few years ago, and I used to laugh at all the people doing uh, going into Stairmasters in a gym when they lived in high-rise apartment blocks. I thought, well, if you just went up and down the stairs, you wouldn't have to join the gym at all. <laughs> yeah. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, I've I retired from my practice now, but most of my, my, my patients couldn't afford fancy gym fees. No. I would just say to them, look, you need, and I wouldn't use the word exercise. It's a dirty word. Mm. I would say, I want you to... Go out for a 10-minute walk each day. Now, what I meant was walk out for 10 minutes, then you've got to come back. Right. So it's actually a 20-minute walk. Mm. 
But if I had said, I want you to do a 20-minute walk, they'd say, oh, no, no, I can't be bothered. No. It's raining, you know, etc. Right, exactly right. And people use their cars so much more now. I mean, you know, I've got kids at school and hardly any kids now walk to school in the way that perhaps you and I did. You know, they're getting lifts from their parents. They get picked up on the way home, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to walk about, I think, four miles a day when I was going to school because I had a mile to the tube station, a mile at the other end, and then the same back. And, you know, that doesn't seem to be happening anymore. No, no, it's not. I mean, I, I did even more than that, but that's the situation that we're in. And even the schools now, they're selling the playing fields for developers, yeah. you know, so it's a very sad situation. Mm. Uh, and really, you know, what bothers me from a medical point of view is you know, not exercising enough, not getting the vitamin D levels. You know, you are at increased risk of killer diseases. Right. Heart I was going to say, if you're listening, if somebody's listening to this now, um, they think they might have a vitamin D deficiency. How, how can you tell? What sort of symptoms would they have? Well, the symptoms are sort of, you know, vague and um, muscular weakness tiredness fatigue low mood right. they're not dramatic symptoms but they're the symptoms of the early signs of your vitamin d levels dropping mm. and if you if you know you're not getting out in, in in daylight for more than 30 minutes a day maybe you've got a vitamin d deficiency you can discuss this with your doctor yeah. there's a simple blood test the doctor can do if that comes back showing you've got low vitamin d levels he can prescribe vitamin d for you okay yeah so you can actually take it in sort of a pill form because I, I remember as a kid we used to my mother used to give me something called Halliborange. that's it <laughs> now i don't know if that was the same thing but i think it was kind of a, an orange juice people always assume has got vitamin d in it right no, yeah but it, it was orange juice mixed with um the uh, the uh, virtually fish liver oil right halibut liver oil that was another thing we used to get cod liver oil which is yeah. disgusting Ditto, eh? We, we, we lived in the same era. I think so. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, is that stuff still, still still out there? Can you still give all that to your kids if you want to? Yeah, it's still out there. And, you know, there, there are vitamin D supplements that are aimed for children, recommended for babies and children. Mm. Uh, so it, it is, it's, a, it's a very important min, um, vitamin, vitamin, vita, mineral, as it were. It's not a mineral, but these are vital. So um, certainly, you know, I mean, I actually, I went to my, I've got my own GP. I know right. it sounds silly, but uh, well, I, you should have, shouldn't you? I mean, you can, yes. like a physician heal thyself is all very well, but you well, can't always do that, can yeah, you? I, I wouldn't trust me as a doctor. <laughs> Good God! <laughs> um, yeah, and and I'd you know fatigue and just I thought I was just getting old. And he, he did my vitamin D levels and they were low, and he gave me a high dose vitamin D capsule to take. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so this is a study conducted by Go Outdoors. So the the basic principle seems to be that even if it's not that nice out. Even if it's not that sunny, you should still be going out and you will get the benefit of that. Yeah, try and get out for 20 to 30 minutes a day every day. Come rain or shine, there's no such thing as bad weather, it's just bad clothing. Mm, no, quite exactly right. Well, also, there's a lot of great clothing that, that, that you can buy. And, I mean, as far as the uh, the, the, the 50% of Brits that are suffering from, from these particular ailments, I mean, that's a big number of people. Yeah, it is. And, 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 and other studies have actually shown that 50% or and even higher people have official low levels of vitamin D when mm. measured. So, you know, the problem is out there. It's not being identified. It's not being addressed. And is there any type of food that you can eat? I mean, we've mentioned orange juice, but I mean, is, is fruit particularly high in it? I mean, is there anything else you can do to up the, the levels? Yeah. I mean, forget the orange juice. The halibut orange you mentioned was orange juice mixed with. Right, okay. Halibut liver oil. It's a fish liver oil. So oily fish. 
Right. It's a good source of vitamin D. So is that like sort of stuff in a, like fish in a tin, like sardines and stuff like that? Well, well that that will do. But any of the olive fish, salmon, tuna. Okay. Um, uh, then you've got the liver, uh, eggs are a source as well. Uh, and there are fortified spreads. You know, there's um, certain margarines and uh, butters have fortified with vitamin D. So, but I would rather you look. Have that in your diet, but try and get out because you're getting the exercise and the sunlight. Okay, brilliant stuff. Well, listen, Dr. Chris, thank you very much indeed, uh, telling us all about why you need to get outside and actually do more activity. And when it's weather like this, you have to say, uh, it's not very difficult to do. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 